Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new Spring of Sessions right here on Receptopia. Happy Monday to you all as we recap another busy and exciting week for our favorite ship, Spencer and Trina, a.k.a. Sprina, on General Hospital. I'm Keela Cash, and by my side, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand, my ride or die, someone who is finally free from the trenches. We are off that crazy roller coaster ride as our babies are back together. The Spencer Cassidine begging tour is over, and we are in store for some loving today as we pregame just for you guys out there listening all over the globe. I bring to you back on the sessions as always, Jasmine. Hey, Keela. Hey, everyone. Happy Monday. Hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And yes, we are back at it. And our baby's short-lived break is over. So I cannot wait to get into our discussion over last week's episode because it was something and though we only saw Spencer and Trina once last week, because we seem to be back on that Spencer and Trina once a week kick, um, it was a meaningful episode and a very important one with a very long overdue conversation had. I kept saying over the summer, I've been waiting for them to have the conversation, the in all caps, and it was delayed gratification up until Monday when we finally had Trina tell Spencer how it was, how it's going to be if he doesn't shape up and realize how dumb he is. And sure enough, we got the shape up. We got the course correction in the clutch. Very grateful and thankful for that. But it was a long overdue conversation. Yes, it was only one day this week. But to me, it was a well thought out day in terms of what took you guys so long to have this conversation on screen to basically air out every grievance we had as a fan base for the last couple of years. And to hear Trina express that was long, long overdue. It was so long overdue, but worth it. Worth the wait for sure. I mean, it took a while to get to it, but when we finally did get to it, it was worth it for sure. Yes. And today happens to be a very special day. And I love days like this because we get to pregame some Sprina sex. And it's not only just Sprina sex, it's like Sprina sex giving. It's a special holiday that we're going to have some loving. And after all of this time, I think that we manifested this via our conversations on the show for the last few months. We have been praying for the day that Spencer Cassadine rose up at Fort Curtis and he finally breaks bread officially and has that Thanksgiving dinner and finally gets that slice of sweet potato pie. But who knew, Jasmine, that today he would get two moist slices of pie, hot and ready? Mm-hmm. I mean, really. I mean, this man gets to have dessert twice. He should be happy. Gets to get gets to experience two pieces of pie, two times in, in one day. Blessings on blessings for Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> chocolate, you know, chocolate pie, as Tiffany alluded to about a month or so ago. Then he has the sweet potato pie and the whipped cream on top. I just love the visuals of that because we prayed for times like these. And we're going to properly pregame a little bit later on in the show during our speculations, which is going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into the teases of what's to come today, let's talk about briefly some general hospital talk that has been heavily on my mind the last few days. And I have to talk about the fact that someone has been lying on the ground dead 
presumably what? for days on end in Port Charles time. I'm talking about poor Dr. G.H. Austin Gatlin Holt, who was shot over a week ago. And last checked, he is bleeding out somewhere in Pawtuck. That is by far one of the craziest things to me. And we've got through the hook killer. So for me to be like, this is madness that they have poor old Dr. G.H. laying on the floor like this. I mean, it, it's, it's so funny because I, you know, I grew to actually like Austin. Like I liked seeing his scenes with Ava. And so I felt like the day that he got, that he got popped, I was in shock. I was in absolute shock. I didn't expect him to actually be dead dead until we started seeing all of Roger's posts on social media, letting us know that Austin was in fact dead dead. And I think it's very, very, very crazy that he is just somewhere in Pawtuck, laying on the floor all alone and nobody has discovered him yet. Like, it's crazy. I mean, even people, even Austin, Austin and Mason of all people, rolled up and discovered Nicholas Cassadine and saved him and put him on life support. But we got Austin, poor old Dr. G.H. out here with nobody, not one person to come to his rescue. That's sad. There is a newspaper that I used to read all the time, like an alternative newspaper magazine for Atlanta called Creative Loafing. And there was a special section sometimes that was kind of morbid, but we call it undignified deaths. And in this case... Austin has been experiencing a very undignified death the last week or so that no one has called, texted, checked in. This guy is bleeding out on the floor, two bullets to the chest. He is gone, gone, cold blue. He is DOA. He is gone to the upper room and no one has even checked in. But that is where we are right now. And to me, it's a huge disservice to Roger Hallworth, who has been in this genre for decades. And this is how you write him out as a guy that's bleeding out on the floor. He goes through Thanksgiving dead and no one gives a fuck. I guess then that Dex's reconnaissance and, and spying on Dr. GH is over and done with just in time for him to be left for dead. Solo on the floor. Nobody finds him. Nobody. I feel so bad. I can't even laugh because it's sad. Like, I just think that this guy is somewhere bleeding out. No one is there to hold his hand. He goes into the light and he's all by himself. I'm like, oh I'm like, gosh. who's going to find him? Like, that's my question. My question is, who is going to find him? Because remember last last week, I was saying, I was speculating that maybe Ava might find him if she were to, like, roll up to Pawtuck because she was following him up there. But then I was like, but what reason would she have to follow him up there? So I don't know, because nobody knows that Austin has this place in Pawtuck. So who is realistically going to find this man? Mason's in Pentonville. So it's not like Mason's going to go up there. Does Cyrus know, you know, is Cyrus, who, I mean, first of all, we don't even know who shot him. Like, that's the thing. We don't even know who shot Austin. So I'm assuming that the promo for this week may or may not be the, the GH who killed Austin. <laughs> <laughs> and those big gold bolt letters. Who killed Dr. GH on GH? Right? Tune in this week on General Hospital. And they'll be showing Ava and they'll be showing Cyrus. Sorry, scrubbing, scrubbing, dub, dub on the floor. <laughs> now listen. Now, brother, size, size. Speaking of him, he lied to his sister, talking about I am washing dishes. They got your ass on the floor scrubbing 
on your hands and knees like a Mr. Clean bitch. Polish, polish that floor. Somebody lied to him. They said, you know what? Actually, your job description includes scrubbing floors with your bare hands. Fuck a Swiffer. Fuck a mop. You're going to get down there on that pine saw and rub that floor dry, bitch. They found out. No, they didn't find out that he was, in fact, this criminal. And they were like, no, no, no. We ain't going to have him washing dishes. You won't be out here on these floors. (laughs) (laughs) And Jasmine, here's the coldest part of all. I don't know how Sonny got in there first, but the fact is they said, listen, you are a felon. You might have found your religion, but we cannot have you here during regular business hours. Right? <laughs> you you will be here up until five when we open. And after that, you got to go. Like, we cannot have a felon up in here washing dishes and scrubbing our floors. Not in plain sight. So take your oxyclean and go. <laughs> like, you know what this will do for business if anybody sees you? <laughs> we are an upscale establishment okay and we cannot have felons up in here all willy-nilly in plain sight we're willing to offer a helping hand but not publicly because we're not dumb we are a classy establishment we're competing against the metro court and new kelly's and new kelly's is coming for our asses at reduced rates so we can't have any of this up in here trying to say oh by the grace of God, here I am. The PC grill has saved thee, and I am so grateful and thankful. Now, uh, where is Spencer's steak and mashed potatoes from last year? Because mm. I want to make sure my great nephew ate his meal officially. Can I put that in a doggy bag for him? I do not know. Will he accept my grace and gift? I do not know. And then we got Sonny over here dictating to Cyrus and telling him, you're not going to go see Laura at all. Like, huh? Like, how are you just going to tell this man what to do? He can call Laura up if he wants to and be like, do you want me to roll through or not? But now Sonny's over here talking about, you're not going to go to the house and you're not going to see Laura. You're not going to go to the office and embarrass her. <laughs> well, he's done both of those things. Sure has. After he said he wouldn't. He's breaking every sin. He has lied. You went to your sister's place to work after you said you wouldn't. (laughs) Hypocrite. You gave her your Vistaprint card and said, call me when you want to see me. And then you still went to see her anyway. Cyrus. Couldn't help himself. No. I guess the Lord led him to her office. He said, thy told me to go see my (laughs) sister because I sensed she needed to see me because I know deep down in her heart, she wants to reconnect with her brother Mm -hmm. who's been rediscovered and revived by the Lord. That makes sense. I can see him. I could definitely see him saying that as the reason why he went there. Mm -hmm. God spoke to him. He says, go see your sister. If she doesn't move, you shall. Like, stop blaming the Lord for what you do. Talking about, the Lord told me to come up here and see you. (laughs) (laughs) He woke me up with a message. He told me, listen, you got to walk. Fuck the bus. You got to walk your steps to see your sister. That's how you pay for your sins. Don't pay that bus pass, Cyrus. You walk. You walk by faith, not by sight. Look at God. Am I going too far? Yes, I am. I can't help myself. I love Cyrus and his hypocritical ass. But the PC Grill definitely had rules to hire this guy. You will not be working during regular business hours. You'll be up here at six and you'll be out of here by five. 
Yep. Sounds about right. Yes. So I love the side side detours. It's a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Unexpected treat as Sonny called him Father Teresa, which made me laugh as well. (laughs) Yeah, we always find some way to fit Cyrus in here into the sessions. We always find a way. It's our new go-to move, and I love that for us. But I also want to talk about something that kind of irked me a little bit because as a viewer and fan, mostly, of General Hospital, I like to watch things play out organically. And I don't like being told I should like something. I should not be told that a certain couple has chemistry and that so-and-so could be your girlfriend. And I Mm -hmm. felt all of these hammers and anvils being dropped on my pretty little head this week by way of Sasha and Cody, who I like as a couple. But the one thing I don't appreciate is people trying to tell me why they fit. Let me see that for myself. I was so at Biscotti number one last year at Brooklyn Solaritarium. But here we are months later and now we're talking about the charisma with them and with deception and having charisma and having chemistry at the home and garden channel bootleg hsn and qvc <laughs> that's what that is oh mm-hmm. little leo says oh is that your girlfriend cody like will uh-huh. you stop like can i learn to love and like a couple on my own and stop telling me i should gh that is super super annoying because I am a Cody and Sasha fan too I like them together and like you said why can't GH just let something happen organically we don't need we don't need I'm sorry like I I have I don't have any obviously I don't I don't have beef with I don't have beef with kids like that but I'm just saying like we don't need kids to tell us hey this is a potential couple right here Cause they did that. They did that kind of stuff with Chase and Brooklyn and the love potion thingy. If that's that's who it was, right? Chase and Brooklyn with the love, with the love potion thingy. Uh, and I just was like, okay, all right. Who, who is this for? Who is this for? And then now, like, we already know that Cody and Sasha like each other. Like, we've seen that for months on end, and we saw all the links he was willing to go to to rescue her from Doctor Montague, and we saw the chemistry that they had during the photo shoot on you know the knockoff hsn you know the knockoff hsn channel um and we don't so we don't need we don't need this forced like we don't like it can just happen naturally like a normal progression of a relationship should be happening like like you said it's like gh why do you do this like why do you do this thing where you feel like you have to tell us look at these two together aren't they cute as a couple look at this and we're gonna talk the kid in here to just, you know, sweeten the deal to make you see it even more that this could be a thing right here. We know already, like we've seen it for months. Like we don't need you to add anything else into the mix to be like, is that your girlfriend? Like we know kids do stuff like that, but still it's, it wasn't necessary with this with Sasha and Cody because we already know what's going on between the two of them. It's the hammering in my head quote a garbage song and I'm irritated. And now like I'm trying to still push for the couple because I like them but now I'm like do I even bother because now you're telling me to like them and I hate that as a viewer don't over explain let me watch the love story unfold I wish it would have tried that shit with Sprina and tell me oh look my at the gosh. chemistry look at them they're so beautiful I'm glad they didn't, I'm glad they didn't do that with them because we did not need that sorry we don't need that we don't we don't need any we don't need that kind of stuff added in there to show that no Mm-mm. no we don't need any extra stuff they're they're good on their own we we don't we 
no they don't need help sorry they don't need help listen I would have been offended if somebody told me look how he looks at her like I see how he looks at her Mm-hmm. The eye fucking speaks for itself. I see how they look at each other. I don't need you to telegraph it for me. I know it. I see it. And I believe it. And I know it. So please stop trying to tell me exactly what I need to see because I already see it with my own two eyes. And that is what infuriates me so much with GH sometimes. Don't tell me, show me. And you show mm-hmm. me up until this point, but now you're trying to over explain with some kids. And you know how I feel about those flowers and attic children. <laughs> I'm tired. I want them all back in the attic except Jake and that crazy ass criminal Charlotte because she's great fun. Otherwise, all the other children, I take that back. Avery and Lil Donna, y'all can come out and play as well. And and Lil Danny. I like Danny too, but every other child on this goddamn show, y'all can go. And and James, I, I like you too, but everybody else, I keep presenting this, but every other child I don't see often can go away. So what about the ones we what what about the one we do see often? The Wow Who? The Wow Ace. Oh child girl. First of all, I thought you was talking about one of Charlie Brown's teachers. Like wah 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 wah. No, I mean like wow as in crying like baby. Okay, listen, in the beginning of time. In the beginning of time, like it's Genesis. In the beginning, I loved that little chunky little baby. I really we did. did. Well, not I all mean, of us. That's not true. Well, I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> okay. A, a majority of people, a large sum of individuals love this little chunky little baby. I love the little Gerber baby. I was so after he laid his his head on Spencer's chest. I said, this little adorable little chunkster has warmed my cold, dead heart because I was like, F baby Damien. I do not want this kid anywhere near my Spencer or Trina. Get him away. But he was too damn cute. He got cozy. He got cute. He got flirty with Trina. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. shit. Like this little scene stiller. Oh, fuck. But now I'm at the point where I want the kid gone. I want that baby to go the same way as baby Lou. I want that baby to go the way of Judy Winslow, respectfully speaking. I don't want to see this kid again. Until I get sourced. Yes. Send his little ass to boarding school and pretend like he grew up magically. It happens. Yeah, it does. I was just talking about Judy. Actually, today I was watching Family Matters and I said, that's cold. They did Judy dirty. Just had her go upstairs and, we, and then we never saw her again. <sighs> like, Judy Winslow, like, it makes you think, did that ever, did that even happen? They Dad. completely reconned a child, Jasmine. An extra kid, like they had, like it was like, where's Judy at? Like she was sitting there with Laura and Eddie, and then next thing you know, where's Judy? It's like, do listen, they really think we weren't gonna notice that? Listen, I'm about to be so egregious. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, y'all, but you know it's cold when they did the new um, intro for Family Matters. Mm-hmm. And you had everybody, you know, they do the little shot. And then there's the closing shot. And it's Laura, it's Eddie, it's Mama Winslow, it's Carl, it's Harriet. And they're playing by the piano. Even Richie's there too. And they ain't no Rachel and they ain't no Judy. Like, where'd Judy go? Mm-hmm. Just completely gone. A child completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. Never existed. Yep. For real. <laughs> 
I mean, we this is the first time we've talked about Judy on this show because we talked about her that after that episode when Trina went upstairs to her room and didn't come back down for a week and a half and just went up there and just did whatever. She texted Spencer like a four page letter, I presume, and she just had a time. And I don't know if they traded pictures or nothing like that, but you know, I don't know. But it was strange. And I think that it's time for Ace to meet that same fate. He needs to go upstairs one day and five years later, in two months, he went to boarding school and he's living his best life because as Trina said, loneliness is a part of life. Mm-hmm. Get used to it, bitch. Mm-hmm. You'll make it. Just saying. But yeah, that baby was cute in the beginning, but now I'm over that kid. Mm-hmm. But one more thing before we get into our bonus topic of the day, because Jasmine did some more studying regarding numbers and I got the numbers crunched (laughs) and recorded for the record. But I want to talk about a character that really touched my soul, Jasmine, you know, on Wednesday's general hospital, and it's rare that we go into other GH topics, but you know, when things really irk my spirit, I want to air it all out here on the sessions. So on Wednesday's GH, we spent a large majority of the episode at the morgue with Dante and Chase about finding a body that three forms of ID on him. And Anna got the call to come check on the body. And this is dude named Forsyth. Let me tell you something as a viewer, I don't give a fuck about someone we ain't never seen before. I don't give a, I don't give a shit about Forsyth Jughead Jones. <laughs> I don't care about his life. I don't care about what he did to Anna. I'm tired of you trying to prop up these characters. We've never seen a single day of our lives on screen. I don't give a fuck. I don't care about Jughead's life. I don't care he got hit by a car and he died and you had a full episode talking about this man. I don't give a shit. May he rest in hell. I don't care. Stop bringing up characters. We don't have any emotional connection to whatsoever because I certainly don't give a shit about Jughead. Sorry, Forsyth. Um, and I don't care so much that I didn't that I didn't even watch those scenes. I I didn't even, I didn't even watch those scenes. I just I, I I so I have no I have nothing to say. I, I mean, I did see when they you know pushed the slab back in, but but other than that, I was just like, why are we doing this? Like you, like you said, stop putting it, bringing these characters in and trying to make us feel some kind of connection to them because we don't care. Like you bring, like you, I guess they thought by them bringing up Forsyth over and over and over again by way of Anna, like having her drop that name that we were going to care. And we don't, like we we just, we don't care. We don't care, GH. Like you guys keep on throwing these characters in here and saying, hey, think about this character here. Hey, pay attention to this character there. We don't care. Like you guys keep dropping these people in, in our laps and saying, uh, pay attention to this character. We want you to feel some type of way, like that dude, who, like the dude getting shot in the alley. Um, the, I forgot his name. The the dude who got shot in the alley when, when they were trying to figure out who would, who did it, if it was Mason or whatever. We didn't even care about that. Like they they, they keep doing stuff. Like we don't care. Like I don't care, Gh. Okay, Stephen A. Bricksmith. We don't care. <laughs> We're here to tell you right now, we don't care about these ancillary characters of General Hospital that you make up on a whim. We don't care about day player number five that got shot in the alley. We don't care about Gloria's gambling debts. We don't care about Lois's mama like that. I don't give a shit. 
We don't care I about don't these care. nurses being switched in and out at uh, what is it? What's that? What's that? The hospital that Sasha was at. Why can't I think of the name of the hospital right now? What is it? Mercy. I don't, I don't remember what the name of that hospital was. Ferncliff. 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 We don't. We didn't care about all the the nurses that were coming in and out every single. No, I'm sorry. I did. I did. I know they were. I know that some of these nurses on Kansas were someone, but I don't care. <laughs> oh. And let's not leave out the most egregious we don't give a fuck. This Finn malpractice lawsuit. Oh my God. About a family we've never seen next to life on this show. I but Diane's give best a friends shit. with him. But Diana's like good friends with him. We don't listen, care. Listen, she can take her best friends and go to the Hamptons. I don't give a shit. I don't care about something we have not seen on screen. I don't care about no family that we don't even know about. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't care. I'm sorry. Like Finn, sorry. I'm so- sorry to this man <laughs> that he's being sued. <laughs> but I just don't care enough. Like, I don't care. I'm sorry. Like, they just keep on throwing all this drama into Finn's life to, for what? Like I mean, the the stuff with his dad wasn't enough. Like his, you know, dealing with his dad and then him, you know, like that's not enough. Now they're like malpractice suit, and they bring and they brought Terry in for that to to sit him down. Which I love Terry, by the way. We don't see enough of her. I want to see her and Yuri. Like, can we do that? Can can we see Yuri and Terry hang out a little bit more than we have lately? I mean, the two of them are always working. I know Terry's the you know I know Terry's the chief, the chief of staff and all that. But I'm sure she has some free moments of time. What happened to him? Why him? Why them to live together? What you know? All these things. Like, like, can we see more romance for Terry and Yuri? Is that? I mean, I would like it. I would like to see it instead of watching him play house in the Quartermain's house all the time because that is not interesting to me. I'm sorry, it's not interesting to me to watch Yuri to watch Yuri cook for the Quartermain family. I, I'm not interested. When did he become cook and butler number five? <laughs> the last time he talked to Terry when he said he was going to be starting his new job and then next thing you know is working for the quarter maze. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is his career now. All right. Okay. Well, at least he got promoted, Jasmine. He he went from being a heavy for Valentine in Brooklyn to now having a full-time gig at the quarter main match and he gets to live there. He gets to eat for free. Congratulations to him. Give me that gig. But I think in summary, as we talk about these mini plot holes, here's the moral of the story. General Hospital has a rich tapestry of history. And we've mentioning things that don't have anything to do with the history of the show. What about the animals that keep getting <laughs> These goddamn animals. Ferdinand the alpaca. Now he's cute. He's adorable, but do we really need a goddamn alpaca on the show providing moral support to Sasha? If she needs support, hop on Cody's dick. It's long past time, girl. Brando's been dead for a year. You know, he would want you to move on. Move on with Cody. Stop playing around. This is what I'm talking about. We have this rich history of GH, and I do appreciate the fact that Sasha and Cody's story was actually a play on Mac and Dominique back in the day because she was also in Ferncliff for a bit and oh. Matt got her out of there so that was a nod to history which I appreciate in hindsight but you have all this history on this show and you're making up shit for the hell of it with people that I either like or I'm, or I'm indifferent to 
and you want me to care? That's why this show's floundering right now because there's no connective history of things making sense. You're making up stuff and not relying on what you have on the canvas. You're just making up stuff as you go along. And that makes people disinterested because why should I care about people we've never seen? Characters that have never been anywhere on the show until now because it's convenient because you have a story to tell, but it's an empty story when there's no history there. You have a history here at your disposal, but you're not actually using the actual history of your show. And there's far too much pivoting. That is one of the biggest issues I have too. Like we start these storylines that feel like they're going to be strong and they're going to end on a good note. And then they just like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Like the hook killer is a perfect example of that. Cause they, cause that started off strong and then it fell completely flat to the point where we just didn't care anymore. The, the you know, the, they rushed through Trina's paternity story and Taggart hasn't been seen since he was last left at Kelly's pouring alcohol into his coffee cup. Trina hasn't, you know, hasn't had any scenes, you know, where they've talked. He hasn't had a single scene where he's gotten to voice his frustration with Portia. The, we've, we've seen Curtis do it multiple times. Like Curtis did it. He did it, you know, in the hotel room after they got married when he got to talk to her about it. And then he got to read her the riot act in the hospital bed. So he got he got to do this multiple times. But Taggart hasn't done it once. Then with the Pikeman story, I mean, obviously Pikeman, whatever, I do not care. But that started off with they were with them trying to do something with that. And now we're to the point where we just don't care anymore. And I even am at the point now where I'm just kind of like, eh, about, about who, who shot Curtis? Because everything is taking too long. Like they build up these stories and they drag them out or they change them at the last minute. And then we, and, but the problem is, is we can tell, like Elle said yesterday, we can tell when these storylines are pivoting. It's very obvious to the viewers. I don't know if it's obvious to every single viewer, but a lot of us, the ones that, that you know, are in this, the Sprina fandom and, you know, that watch for all, you know, have seen all the other storylines too. We can tell when something doesn't, when something doesn't feel like that was the intent from the very beginning. Very true. Prime example, Hook Killer. The pivot was as clear as day and they just went with Heather and it made no sense. And when you do stuff like that, just go with the original intention. If we figured it out as viewers that it was worry or the ADA, then you know what? Do it. That's how you tell a good story. If you figured it out, so the fuck what? Go with it. Don't do anything just for the sake of swerving your audience. Sometimes we're smart that way. Maybe that's how you tell a good story when it's obvious. And sometimes the obvious route is the best route. Don't try to overcomplicate it. But here we are. And we see a lot of pivoting in real time. And a lot of it is not good. Some of it is a lifesaver in terms the Sprina story mm -hmm. this fall but a lot of this on this show is a lot and it just makes it feel very hollow as a viewer that besides one or two things that I like about GH everything else feels incredibly empty because you have this rich history that you're not leaning into and when you have to make up shit along the way to make it make sense that is a problem and I think that's a frustration with a lot of fans that want to love this show wholeheartedly but it's very hard to when the heart of this show is missing outside of Sprina and maybe a couple of other things and that is very few and far between mm-hmm agree so as we get off our soapbox very fun side discussion about things that don't make sense on general hospital let's get to something that does make sense and that is jasmine my co-captain being very astute and observant because i don't watch everything like a hawk but she does <laughs> and she noticed that 
there is a room number for the PCU dorm room for Trina and Jocelyn. And the room number is 4112. And when she saw this number and shared it with me, I said to myself, self, we have to do another angel numbers investigation to find out the true meaning of room 4112. So I had to find a site that was somewhat reputable. I want some concrete information. I know bullshit. I want some real factual mm-hmm. stats as to what this number means. So let's get into it, shall we? I went to sosynced.com. Shout out to you, lady. <laughs> Hope that you're factual here. But it sounds like you know what you're talking about. So... <laughs> So let me get into it. We know what angel numbers mean. Let's skip all that stuff. All right. So what is the meaning of the 4112 angel number? The ultimate meaning of the 4112 angel number centers around creativity and expression. Hmm. Your angels are signaling that you should use your creative skills to express yourself and develop your talents. This can be through art. Art, (laughs) you say. Art, as in Trina's major in college, <laughs> you don't say. Okay. Let me say this. This could be through art, music, writing, or any other form of creativity that brings you joy. 4112 is a reminder that you have something unique and special to offer the world. It's time to start using your gifts in order to make a positive impact. Hmm. This number signals for you to tap into your eternal capabilities, pursue your individual passions, and dare to be brave in showing your authentic self. It encourages you to break free from outside pressures and expectations, inspiring you to create and express yourself openly. The power of the number 4112 angel number and the positive encouragement that comes with it should motivate you to take action and create something beautiful. So don't be afraid to make the most of this energy and use it to your advantage. Perhaps the most important message of the 4112 angel number is that it is never too late to show the world who you truly are. You can start sharing your inner being with the world now. So use the power of this angel number and express yourself in a way that feels authentic. Angel numbers can be an invaluable source of guidance in our lives, but ultimately it is up to us to make the most of their meaning. So the next time you see 4112, take a moment to reflect on what it means for you. Think about how it can help you be more creative and expressive, whether it's a new project, hobby, or business venture. This number is a sign you've been waiting for. And what does it mean for love, which we really care about on this show? This number centers around creativity and expression. So when it comes to love, it's a sign to be open and honest with yourself. Express how you feel. Oh, Trina did that. Show vulnerability. And don't be afraid to take risks, even in love. This number encourages us to have the courage to pursue our passions while staying true to ourselves. For those in relationships, Spencer and Trina, the 4112 angel number is a reminder to keep that spark alive. Mm. Use your creative skills to ensure your partner feels loved and appreciated. It's also a sign to be open in your relationship and express how you feel honestly while still being mindful of each other's needs. Love that. Yes. If you've recently had a breakup and they were on a break, y'all, 
or mm-hmm. you're feeling stuck in your current relationship, the 4112 angel number is a sign to look within and make sure you're staying true to yourself. Expressing your feelings can be difficult, but it's important to be honest with yourself and your partner in order to find clarity and heal. Everything happens for a reason and the right person will come your way in time. Regardless of your relationship status, the 4112 angel number is a powerful reminder that you should embrace your uniqueness and always be yourself in relationships. The right person will love you for who you are and accept your true self with open arms. Hmm. Love all of that. It's actually quite fitting. Yes, it is. And all of that has happened on screen this mm-hmm. week on General Hospital. And it will continue to happen on Monday. Well, today, rather, when they when they get a little bit creative in that dorm bed. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I paint a picture, you draw it. You fill the lines up nicely. As Spencer will fill Trina up today. And create and- something beautiful, you say. Wink, oh, wink. wait, wait, <laughs> Jasmine. How dare you even suggest such a thing? Shout out to you, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that they're going to create a circle of life. Hey, you never know. Anything's possible. Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> it's very Simba and Nyla of them, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. So as Jasmine dropped a hell of a hint of things to possibly come, if they did not go to CVS and Walgreens, I mean, <laughs> come on. At this point, you have to have at least a 12-pack. That's what I'm saying. It's like, is, is Spencer carrying all the time? Like... I'm just saying, oh, is he no. is, is he prepared? Is he prepared all the time? Are the pockets full? Are the pockets stacked with protection? Yeah. Because does he know how to pull out? Is my question. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. It's like I know when you're there, it's you're in the moment. But Jesus, you don't know how to dismount that thing. But okay. <laughs> We're going to get to all of that later during our pregame celebration, but let's get to <laughs> the reconciliation, Shari. Let's get to Monday's General Hospital, the lone day we had Sprina on the air this week, and we kick things off with a nice little reprisal version of our theme song, Here and Now, which is my jam for Sprina, obviously, and we see all of the beautiful flowers that Spencer has delivered to Trina, and she's back in her dorm room, and she apparently saw this and was unmoved. She did not grab a single card, did not read anything from him regarding his apology. So she was getting ready to go to class and she opens the door and there is a surprise behind door number one at 4112 <laughs> as Spencer's thick ass fell backwards and the hierography was herring in that moment as he says, good morning in the most melodramatic way. Once again, thickness on the floor. But this time, it's not battered thickness. It's sleepy thickness. And we left him for that. So he gets a sleepy, thick ass up. And Trina's like, you stayed outside my dorm room all night long. Are you crazy? And, you know, Spencer, for you being in the proverbial doghouse, you almost melted my ass. And Trina was about to fold like a tent when 
you said I'm crazy in love with you. I'm like, boy, see, this is how draws fall to the floor. That's how it happens. That line could have done me in, but Trina was strong. She didn't fold just yet, but she said, my RA could have seen you. Are you crazy? And he said, yes, I'm crazy in love with you. That line just fell from his mouth like butter. And I can see why Trina went 12 rounds in that hotel room because lines like that, but she did not bend or break. And she, you know, told him, Maybe I didn't want to talk to you, despite you blowing up my phone like a bugaboo. You texted, you called, I ignored your calls, left you on read and vibrate, and yet you're here. And we had this cute little inside line talking about sort of skywriting. This was my last resort. And we know about our skywriting via Fall for Sprina last year when the plane full of Prospect Studios and said we heart Nicholas and Tabiana. Hashtag fall for Sprina. The viral campaign went viral and we love that for our babies. And most of all, for it to be an inside joke on this show is an extra bless. So we got that as well. And Trina, despite being angry, let Spencer in. He talks about all the flowers he brought for her from 1-800-Flowers. And Trina told him that, listen, if they all said the same thing, I'm glad I didn't waste my time reading the cards. And he formally apologized for what he did. But then we get to the crux of the apology and the ultimatum he made to Trina. And he apologizes for that. But she says, you know what? You can't take it back. But it did open the door for us to have this very important conversation. Because I think that we need to really define what our relationship is at this point. What are your priorities? Because I know that you love Ace, but in some ways that means Esme comes along for the ride as well. And she doesn't know how to feel about that. And Spencer is like, I am not going to give up my baby brother. I will be a part of his life. And Trina is not asking him to get out of his brother's life, but she wants there to be clear boundaries as to how he decides to take care of his brother. And She's starting to figure out that maybe we want two different things out of this relationship. And what I love about Trina is that she is steadfast on this, hair flip and all. I love that it's her new signature move as to why she's kind of fed up with the situation. So we get to the heart of the matter as we go to another commercial break. And she basically explains this, that I am tired of being around Esme. And you constantly say that you, Ace and Esme, it's a package deal for those two. But for me, I am tired because with this situation, whoever wrote this next line was a bar. They said, Uh I'm on the sidelines, but I'm not allowed on the field. I said, who wrote that bar? That was a bar because it's true. I'm on the sidelines and I'm watching you play house and I'm not allowed at quarterback on the field. I'm not in the starting position of this relationship. So what it is, what are we to each other? Because I am tired of Esme being up in my face all the time because I know what she did to me. I know the woman who drugged and framed me. She's still there somewhere. Spencer irks me saying that that was the old Esme. The new Esme would never do such a thing. And Trina spoke for the people. She says, listen, that might be true, but I remember who she is. 
I remember what she did to me and I see that face and all I see is what she did to me. And it's hard for me to forget that. And I'm so glad that she spelled that out for his dumb ass, respectfully speaking, that yeah, you might forget, but I can't. I refuse. And therefore, I don't want her in my eyesight anymore. I'm uncomfortable with your situation with you and her and this baby living together. But you gave me an ultimatum. You didn't want to make me make you choose between me and your baby brother. But you didn't know what my answer would be. What would my choice be? And he was like, okay. She says, I choose myself. I choose to put myself first because I have no intention of sticking around this dysfunctional family situation. And then Spencer, he wasn't born 30 or so years ago, but clearly he watched the Different World episode when Dwayne was begging and pleading, baby, please. Baby, please, please, baby, please don't marry Byron, please. So he did that baby, please, and that soft whisper. And even then, I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm about to fold because look at that boy begging, the trembling lip like a little puppy. He was begging, baby, please, baby, please, take it back, please. Trina said, no, 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 no. Because I am putting myself first, like Cookie told Lucius. I got to put me first. I got to put me first. I got to put me first. I got to think about me because if that's what I have to do to walk away, then so be it. Cause I am not going to be no one side piece or side chick on the sideline. So you got to decide what you want to do. And at that moment, electric company called and said that Spencer <laughs> made the payments for the last six months. Rent was due when he said how much. I'll add some hotels. I'll add a couple of apartments, some houses. Electric company got their goddamn money. Because at that moment, Spencer's brain magically woke up and he said, I know what I have to do. And we thought we were going to get faked out. Like, are he really finna dump Trina? You dumbass. But no, he knew better. He said, I am not Ace's father. No shit, Sherlock. I'm his brother. I am not the bro daddy. I'm just his brother. And I have to accept that. I have to set healthy boundaries. I have to understand that I can't be everything for him. And that Esme is his mother and she knows what's best. And I think it's probably for the best that Esme and Ace move out so they can live their lives. And Trina, very astute, says, are you just saying this? So you can get back in my good graces. Do you believe what you're saying to me right now? Are you saying this for my benefit? And he says, no, no. Deep down, it's going to take some time, you know, to really adjust and process this. But I'm going to get there. But Trina, I look to you and I respect your independence, that you're your own person and that you make your own decisions. But I really hope, and that boy was begging, like, I really hope that I am a part of that, that I am a part of your life because I know I done fucked up and I done messed up and I'm here begging on my hands and knees just about to say, baby, please, I didn't mean it. Please take me back. What did you say? <sighs> I felt all of that. And so we leave it a cliffhanger. Trina's looking at him, wondering what she should do. And we take a little break. We come back and Jocelyn is outside the dorm room. I'm like, fuck. She couldn't drop Adam off at the fucking cafeteria or something. God damn it. <laughs> shit so i knew it was gonna get some bullshit like you couldn't take that boy to arby's or something new kelly's you know get some 
a ham sandwich or something, get a milkshake, a lemonade, but no, you had to bring your ass back to the dorm to be nosy and shit. So she opened the door and we catch Spencer and Trina mid-kiss. And this camera angle was egregious. Denise, I know you directed, girl. Mm. But despite my anger, initially, I had to think about it because yes, I am shallow. I love me some Spencer Cassidyne. I love his stick behind, but your breath was kicking. (laughs) Your breath was a little funky. That morning breath is no joke. So if you ain't got no crest or Listerine or scope, you cannot be kissing Trina like that. Okay. (laughs) Trident and breath mints and Tic Tacs are not enough. You need a thorough floss and brush of your mouth. So because of that, I accept that bit of realism of Trina said, you can get like a peck, but not full on. You get that later, but you got to get some crest, some Colgate in your life. If you ain't even got some baking soda, anything, he ain't had that. So I could understand why she said back up. Mm-mm. If you ain't got no double mint, no, it's not enough. You need to brush your teeth. So yeah. Mm-hmm. We cannot have that. But what I did love was the fact that we had some nice tactile communication. The fingers were fingering, feel the flirtation and all that stuff, which I love. So that was really cute. They're real coupley and Trina leaning into Spencer. They was real cute. So I appreciate that. And then Joss talks about Adam and talking about he had a panic attack. We don't care. I don't care. Take his ass to New Kelly's and talk about it. You don't have to come back to the dorm room and then Spencer taking off his jacket getting comfortable like he gives a shit. Like, you don't care, Spencer. <laughs> you don't care about that boy's childhood trauma. He says, my trauma eclipses his. <laughs> Fuck Adam. With all due disrespect, okay? What about my knees, Joss? And my trauma, Trina? This Adam kid, who the hell is this? <laughs> Give a fuck about him and his pre-med troubles. So... That was that. All in all, I really appreciated this conversation. It was long overdue. It made up for every goddamn fight we saw this summer that was so stupid and so not about their actual issues. Like, I've been begging, pleading, and praying for this conversation, and we finally got it. And Tabiana, I have said this before, she has delivered a month-long stretch of great performances, the finest stretch of her career thus far in General Hospital, hit after hit, banger after banger. This was no exception. This was Trina saying her truth to say, I am not going to be no sideline hoe for nobody. Do you hear me? (laughs) I am not going to be some fly-by-night chick you fly in out of town to hit. No, I'm going to be your full-time girlfriend, your lover, and your confidant, okay? I don't play around and play second best. I am the first pick of the draft. Your ass, Spencer, is on the fucking clock. TikTok, bitch. And he woke up. He surely (laughs) did. And I love that for Nicholas as well because he played it beautifully. The gulp, the, the fear of losing the love of your woman. Yeah, you should be scared because you've been bullshitting around for months and now you realize that you was about to let the best thing that have happened to you slip through your fingers. And you felt that pressure and you fixed it. So I'm very thankful we got there. It took us a long ways home, but we're here, Jasmine. And I'm very grateful for that. I wanted my kiss, but based on today's preview, (laughs) we're going to have some kissing and fucking and I'm here for all of that. (laughs) Okay, so... I was seriously wondering how Trina was able to sleep with the smell of all those flowers in that small dorm because I could not. My allergies would have been going haywire. 
But um, I also have to take a moment to acknowledge how cute Tabby slash Trina was looking in her bit and the hair was hairing. Um, when she opened up that door, like you said, to, to see, when she opened up door number one, um, she his fencer fell through there. I I I snickered because the way him the way he looked and said good morning, I'm like he's just he is just so serious sometimes. And Trina was literally looking at him like it is way too early for this. But also, before I go on, I have to address the logistics of this entire scene and how it was done because I am slightly confused now. Spencer spent the entire night outside of Trina's dorm because that's what she said. She said, please tell me you did not spend the entire night out here. And he was like, I sure did. Um, so I'm going to say to me, I don't think he necessarily spent the entire night there. I said that man probably ran home to check on Ace and then went back because there's absolutely no way he could have stayed out there all that time. And Trina did not see him when she finally made it back. Because the last thing we saw, he was there talking to he was there talking to Trina's best friend, and Trina was nowhere around. So in order for him to be out there all night, Trina would have had to have seen him at some point. Now, to the morning. Okay, so we obviously know that Joss has gone with Adam to the hospital after he had his panic attack. So to me, that means that she had to have seen him outside by the door, and she must not have cared because she had an exam to rush off to. She probably saw Spencer sitting there. So to me, I'm thinking, like I said, I'm thinking about the logistics of this. So to me, I feel like maybe Spencer was sitting next to the door instead, like not necessarily right up on the door. Like I feel like he was probably sitting by the side of it and Joss opened up the door and was like, oh God, like, you know, he is, no, he did not. Like, no, he did not. And then she was just like, I don't have time for this. I'm not even going to tell Trina this because this, you know, I don't have time for this. I have a test to get to whatever. So she leaves and just walks right past him. But I feel like, if he did wake up after Joss, you know, after Joss took off, he could have scooted over. He could have scooted over to the, to, you know, to be right in front of that door so that that way Trina would have to see him. Because think about it. If she opened the door and, and saw him just sitting right by the door sleeping, she could have silently slipped away without waking him up. But because he was right against the door, there was no way that could happen. And that's literally the only way this entire scenario makes sense to me. That is literally the only thing that I could imagine for how they did this scene because like I said there's no way that they would have realistically had him spend the night and not and Josh or Trina doesn't even realize that he's out there at some point but anyway um Trina when she sees him she's like what are you doing are you crazy because you could have gotten me in trouble with the RA and Spencer does his little thing where he's trying to be charming and says I'm crazy in love with you and Trina wasn't having it because she knew that was exactly what Spencer was doing like Spencer that's Spencer that's his MO like when he messes up then he tries to be, he tries to throw in that Cassidyne charm to get back into her good graces. And, you know, he tells her that he was sorry and that he knows he screwed up. And he says, you can't unring the bell. When Trina said, I don't even know what that means. I was like, I'm sure she knew what it meant, but she just didn't have time to deal with him because she was basically, she, she, Trina was basically kind of like, just get to the point, like get to the point of why you're here. And, you know, Spencer is like, did you read the cards I put with these flowers? And she's like, no. And he's like, well, they all said the same thing. And Trina, when she said, well, then I'm glad I didn't bother reading them before doing my new favorite signature move of hers, which is the Trina Robinson hair flip. Um, that told me that she was just tired, just like all across the board, tired, has no time for the BS. Because it's basically like, if you were just saying the same thing over and over again, why would I even waste my time reading it? And then Spencer tells her that the card said that he was sorry and that he was wrong. And she asked the right question. And she says, 
exactly what do you think you were wrong about? And of course, he tells her that he thinks he was wrong about giving her an ultimatum and that he'd do anything to take it back. And I love that he's all smiles and trying to be all cutesy. And Trina had a, a little teensy smile too, but she steps back because she's sticking to the business at hand. And she tells Spencer, well, it's too late to take back what you said. And even though I didn't like how you said it, you did bring up an interesting, you know, you, you did bring up an important question, which is what are your priorities and who comes first in your life? And when Spencer, you know, when Spencer told her, you know, I don't care about Esme and Tria told him sometimes it, it feels like, you know, like that's not the case. I was like, you're preaching to the choir because that is definitely how it, how it comes off sometimes. And then once again, Spencer does his thing and he sings his favorite song. My little brother needs me. I'm not, a, I'm not going to turn my back on him, Trina. When Trina turned around frustrated and, and said, no one's asking you to do that. I was like, exactly. Like, I don't know how many times this man has to hear that nobody is asking him to turn his back on his brother. Like, when, like, when are you going to get this? Like, when are you going to get this? But I love when she said, the fact that it's hard for you to accept Esme moving out as a normal progression tells me all I need to know. And Spencer was like, what does that mean? She said, she laid it on the line and said, to me, it means that we're, we see our relationship in two different ways. Because I mean, this goes back to the conversation that she had with him at the Jerome Gallery. Like she literally said to him, basically, this is not going to be a long term. Like this isn't going to be sustainable long term with you staying with Esme. She's asked him multiple times about their relationship and he still hadn't thought about it. Like he still wasn't taking it to heart. So she's telling him right then and there. Well, you see, you apparently don't see your, our relationship going the, uh, you know, a certain way by the in the future because you want to stay with Esme and Ace. Like that's basically what she was telling him. And then huh, that that whole set of lines, Keela, I loved it, too, when she laid it out there and said, I've been supportive to your situation. I've been respectful of your love for Ace. And that, you know, saying that somehow translated to me standing on the sidelines. I'm not allowed on the field. Oh, that Tabby, she delivered with these scenes, period. But this that line right there had me doing slaps. I mean, doing snaps. And all I thought about that was like, I literally thought about every single time when Trina was left on the outside looking in, because that was basically like, when she said that to him about like about how she's not allowed on the field. It made me think about like the way that her relationship with, has been with Spencer, because it's been like that since the day that that Granny Laura brought criminal bitch Barbie and her baby home to begin the full house from hell living situation. Trina has been on the sidelines ever since. And she, and then. Then the other line that I loved was when she said to him, I watch you put all of your focus and energy into Ace and by extension Esme, and I'm not okay with that. And I'm just like, for the dense folks out there, what that means is she sees him do everything and anything for Ace, which is fine, but it's when he's putting Esme first that there is a problem. And the perfect example of that is going home to have dinner with Esme when she shoots him a text, which uh, by the way, we know Trina told him go, like, you know, you can go. But that, but you know, it was it was still irksome to her for him to you know for him to get that text of Are you coming home for dinner? And then him inviting Esme to his dinner date with Trina, like things like that. And when she told Spencer, "I don't want to be around Esme anymore. This is the woman who who tried to destroy my life." I was like, "She said what she said, Spencer. Did you hear that? Because sis did not stutter. She told you to your face who the problem is." In fact, she's been telling you, but you refuse to hear her. And I said, I bet you hear her now, though. And when Spencer, oh, God, that that man, that exhausting, exasperating man, when he said that was the old Esme, she has no memory of that. I said to myself, I know you not, Spencer, 
I just know you're not trying to justify that Esme is doing it a different to Trina in order to somehow wash away what she did. I'm like, do you or do you not remember your own freak out last December when you blew up at home talking to your father about what Esme did to your now girlfriend? What is wrong with you? Close your mouth, Spencer. Like, you're not helping your situation. Stop talking. Um, and then Trina says that she understands that and she's accepted it, but she still has to live with the memory of what Esme did to her because, hey, guess what? The bitch still looks the same and that's difficult for her. And I said, hmm, that sounds a bit like what we all keep saying too because amnesia didn't change Esme's face, just supposedly, allegedly her brain. And Trina tells Spencer it's triggering, basically. She basically tells him it's triggering for her to see her all the time. I'm like, this chick drugged and framed her. So can we blame Trina for not wanting to see her all the time? And Spencer shouldn't either. And that's what I can't, that's what I cannot, I cannot, I could not understand is that he actually spit out those words to her that Esme's different. Ugh. But then, you know, Trina repeats to Spencer again that she does not under any circumstances want to be around Esme. And, you know, Spencer says the same thing that we've been hearing for months from everybody and their mama. Esme and Ace are a package deal. So what do you want me to do? And I actually really, really loved Trina in this moment because she could see that Spencer was getting like, you know, worked up. But she remained totally calm. And despite the fact that she was irritated, she still was cognizant of how anxious he was getting. Because like, if you notice, like she softly is like basically kind of like it's like she's trying to bring him back. Like she's kind of like, like, calm down, Spencer. Like, calm down. I need you to hear me. Like, that's basically how it was. Because Spencer gets very, very worked up. And then he starts, like, you know, trying to talk a mile a minute. And he's not really listening or processing what you're saying. So Trina basically was like, I need you to listen to me. I need you to hear me loud and clear. So she tells him, you warned me not to make you choose. But you never asked me what my choice would be. And obviously, Spencer didn't like where that was going. But he asked her anyway. And she says the words that had me like, yes. I choose to put myself first. Like, ugh, I was so happy when she said that. And like I said, when she said, when she told Spencer, if you're going to stay with Esme and Ace, you're going to do it without me. I was very, very proud of her. And I'm going to say this again, because the folks out there who are choosing to be deliberately obtuse, Trina did not make Spencer choose between her and a baby. She made him choose between Esme and her. If you listened, then you should have caught that she said Esme's name first. She said multiple times in that conversation that Spencer living with Esme and him not wanting her to move out is the issue, not Ace. It's Esme, and it has always been Esme. And then Spencer starts begging and pleading with Trina, which, you know, uh, as, as sad as it was to see, it was exactly what I wanted. Like, it really was, because as he needed a wake-up call. And as my mom always says, he didn't believe that fat meat was greasy. Like And like Kevin Hart, I'm like, like Kevin Hart, you're going to learn today, because boy, did he. That man thought that he really thought, he really thought that he could keep expecting Tria to just sit back and watch him play house with Esme 24-7, and she would just do it for the, what, the rest of Ace's life? Fuck out of here, Spencer. I'm sorry. I love you, but no, you tried it. You really did. And then he says now, you know, he says he realizes now that he needs to let go and stop trying to be Ace's father. And like you said, Keela, no shit. Like we've been saying that for the longest time. And then Trina says, you can still support Ace, but there has to be clear boundaries set. That's that word we keep saying, boundaries. The word of the day, boundaries, everyone. Um, and then Spencer says he's going to stop trying to control Esme and Ace. And yeah, they're going to move out. And it's going to be a good thing. 
And I appreciated that Trina actually asked him, are you just saying this because you think it's what I want to hear or do you actually believe that? And I appreciate Spencer's honesty. When Spencer said that, you know, when he admitted that it would be hard to take and that, it's, you know, it's going to take some getting used to, but he's going to get there. I actually didn't mind it because this is the thing. It would be, I think it would be odd if he was like, yeah, no, no, it's totally fine if they move. I'm good. Let them go. Because seeing as how he's been so, I don't want my baby brother to feel abandoned and all that for like months on end, it would have been strange for him to be like, oh yeah, it's going to be great. Like, I'm totally fine. No worries at all. They can just go and just live. He was actually honest. And that's what I want for the two of them. I want Spencer and Trina to have an honest, open dialogue about everything. And then, you know, he tells Trina that he doesn't ever want her to feel like she's coming second to anyone and that he's going to start making her his number one priority. And, you know, when he told her that he hopes that there's a place in his life, in her life for him, I was like, oh, all the feels like I love that. I really did. But I have to say, seriousness of the conversation should have had us come back to them and only them finishing up what they were saying. Because we went to that commercial break after Spencer says that he hopes there was a place, you know, in Trina's life for him. And we, as an audience, needed to hear Trina speak in response to what Spencer said. Because that makeup moment should not have happened off screen. To me, it felt like GH was playing a basketball game. They were in the fourth quarter with five seconds on the clock and they missed the winning shot. Like, that's how it felt to me. And I have nothing against, you know, Trina's bestie. But the choice to write for her to come in and see them kissing and then the conversation shifts to being about what she was doing with Adam that morning felt wonky and disorganized because that was once again for me an off-screen resolution for Sprina, which I have a big problem with because they fight and they have resolutions, but they happen off-screen far too much. Even when they're literally in the same room now, apparently, I said GH really needs to stop that because as I said, that talk was so serious that we should have heard Trina's response and then got the makeup kiss. You know, it could have been a little, just quick little peck because morning breath is a killer. Um, but Spencer was pouring out his heart in that moment, but we didn't even hear Trina's answer. And I just thought that was a poor writing choice because I'm sorry, but we could have done without Joss and, and the Adam conversation. Like we, we could have, I'm sorry. Like that, because I was already, that was, I was already concerned going into the episode because, you know, we've already said time and time again that we have, you know, that we always have a concern that they're going to make Spencer or Trina's moments too short or whatever. And on days that are important like this, which, like I said, the conversation was good. It was really, really good. But the end for me, they just dropped the ball because we should have heard Trina say something to Spencer. Like there should have been something that said back to him in that moment. Cause it was just like, I feel like, I feel like they don't like, they don't let Trina say like say enough to Spencer that's like positive sometimes. Like I, I feel like in that moment they could have had a, like they could have had a moment where she did talk to him about how, you know, there, you know, there's going to be a place for him and, you know, and something, because like I said, like this conversation was too serious for it to just fall flat. Like it did at the end. Cause I, cause, cause we came up when I saw Joss outside of the dorm room, I was like, Oh, I was like, she's going to come inside the dorm and this conversation is going to be over. I was like, she's going to walk in and see them kissing. Like, that's exactly what I thought. And I was like, but I don't like that. I don't want that. Like, sure, a kiss is cute. And it shows me, it tells me, oh, yeah, they made up. But they could have they, they could have brought it back and just ended on a good note with the two of them. Like, we, we, we didn't need the conversation to shift because I'm sorry. I just, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I didn't care about that. I was, I was tuned into what was happening with Spencer and Trina's conversation. 
Totally agree. The ending definitely took me for a loop. It was very confusing because you do want to hear what Trina has to say. What is her final response to Spencer and how she can put his mind at ease and how they finally, you know, found their way back to each other. And there is an understanding between them now as to what she will not take in this relationship, which is Esme smack dab in the middle of stuff. And the execution fell flat with the Jocelyn coming in the room and interrupting them. I'm like, why did you do this? It was so clunky to use another sports analogy. It's like, it's two minutes left on the clock and we're on the two yard line and we're about to fumble the ball. Mm -hmm. And we just missed it by that much. And I felt like that was a missed opportunity and it might be a make good today, but in the moment I wanted a bit more finality because we were doing so good up until that point but otherwise I greatly enjoyed these scenes on Monday mm -hmm. it was long overdue I've been waiting for this conversation since the summer and it finally arrived but now that I'm recording the show with you Jasmine I just have to think back that they really almost tried it mm -hmm. and that this show tried to paint this image of Spencer and Esme being a couple again Mm -hmm. And the fact they teased it and they threw it on our faces repeatedly and they try to shrink Trina for months and to see this get course corrected in this manner, I'm very thankful. But the fact there was even an attempt to do what I think they were going to do is a serious slap in our faces and it's going to take a really long time for me to get over it because that was not the story that was originally being told in the here and now what was being told in June was a complete assassination attempt of Sprina. And I will never forget it. And the scenes we got on Monday is affirmation of what they tried to do. And I hate it even more. I'm very thankful that we said something that we said, no, not on our watch. We're not going to go there. How dare you try this? But I'm still sore about it because I saw what you tried to do. And it was not cute whatsoever. And you try to put Trina in this corner of being the villain at one point. And you had fans on Facebook even suggest how dare she even suggest that Spencer puts her first. Yeah, because she's a girlfriend. Point blank period. She's priority number one. To even say that Esme was a viable option is the biggest load of bullshit I have seen on this show in quite some time. And I'm very thankful for what we got, but I'm also very irritated that what they try to do this summer actually could have happened. I feel exactly the same way as you do. And it is, I'm actually glad we're, I'm actually glad we're saying this now that we're talking about this because yeah, like everything that Trina said, like you said, took me back to all of those months, because you know, which is why I brought it up about Trina standing on the sidelines, you know, with her talking about how she's not allowed on the field. And I said it took me back to every single thing, because like even like let, let's let's even let's go even further by talking about when Laura moved that bitch into the house. Like I mean, when she moved her into the house, Trina was already starting to be sidelined. Like that's what was happening. It was already it was already starting to happen at that particular moment because she started becoming the the priority even though they tried to say oh it's you know just for ace blah 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 whatever but it got worse in june it got worse after they got back from greenland like that's when it really really just like it got kicked up in high gear and i know people want to say over and over and over again that they don't think that there was ever a chance that there was a spencer and esme type of situation happening but 
my take on this is if you were just tuning into General Hospital and you started watching in June, if you started to watch in June, me, if I started to watch in June even, because I even said this to Tiffany before, I said, if I turned on my TV in June and I saw Spencer and Trina arguing, like say I tuned in on June 29th, Hellsider Day, you know, and that's the episode I saw and I see Spencer and Trina fighting with each other, I'm going to be like, oh, what's happening you know, with these people? I'd, I, my brain would be telling me these people seem like they're headed for a breakup. I wouldn't even know who this couple is. I would just be like, they seem like they're like, you know, are they, are these, are they, is this a couple breaking up? Like, are they, um, did I tune into this couple having a breakup right now? What's happening here? And then we go to him and Esme in his bedroom, sharing fond memories of a snow globe who gives a fuck about a snow globe. Fuck that snow globe, as you say so lovingly, um, talking about, you know, her being his, you know, being his, his, his first love or whatever bullshit that was. Um, and we sit there and listen to that. And then we go, oh, so this is his ex-girlfriend right here. What's happening here with this? Like, oh, they seem like they're kind of like, you know, reconnecting. Is this like, is this what's happening? Like, are they, you know, is, is he confiding in her and this, that, and the other? And then it just continues and continues as I'm watching the episodes over the, over these next couple of days and seeing all these things and like, seeing all these moments between these two, like seeing the Sears family photo shoot from hell. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's happening here? Like all these things that are telling me that they are doing things that could make people that are on that side of Esme, which by the way, it, it's it, it's the craziest thing to me it, that these people are saying, I like, I like the new Esme. I want to see the new Esme with Spencer. I want to see that they can just completely wash away everything that she's done because she has amnesia, supposedly, allegedly. And it's really, what it really boils down to is that they just don't want to see Trina and Spencer together. Because like I said before, time and time again, and I'll say it again, if if Trina Robinson was the one who did half the stuff that Esme Prince did, people would be like, no, get her off the screen. I never want to see Trina again. I don't want to see that girl near Spencer, get her away, blah, blah, blah. It would never end. It would never end. But Instead, we had to hear months on end. Oh, I don't understand. I don't understand why Trina is coming in, coming over to the house and interrupting, you know, Esme and Spencer. And why is she making Esme feel unwelcome in her own house? And oh, and Trina, she actually, she actually uh, stole Spencer from Esme. She actually, she, I mean, what was she expecting? Why did she think that Esme wouldn't go after her when she took her boyfriend away? First of all, first of all. I'm sick of people who are trying to paint Trina Robinson as a homewrecker because let's get one thing straight. That is something Trina Robinson has never, ever been. Trina Robinson is no homewrecker. Spencer was into her from jump. From the moment he saw her in that art gallery, he when they locked eyes, he was into her, okay? He already told her that he's loved her from, since the day that they met. So he was the one who was going after her all the time, knowing full well that he had a girlfriend. and. Even when Trina found out that he had a girlfriend, guess what? She distanced herself from him. She said, okay, he's got Esme over there. I'm going to move away from this because I'm not going to, there's nothing there. there. There is nothing there. He lied to me. He didn't tell me he had a girlfriend, all this, that, and the other. But guess who keeps coming to her doorstep? Spencer Cassidy. He keeps coming and showing up wherever she is. He was still into her. And then even after the stuff with Trina getting framed by Esme, what happened? She stops being friends with him and she gets a boyfriend. She moves on with her life and Spencer still wants to be with her. So 
anybody who's saying that Trina somehow stole Spencer away from Esme, I don't know what show you've been watching. I don't know what show you've been watching since Spencer came back from boarding school and started getting into Trina. I don't know what you've been watching, but like I said, I need y'all to stop calling my girl a homewrecker because homewrecker, she is not. Preach on that because Spencer got knocked upside the head with our mocha troll and fell in love. Mm-hmm. All well, all well. And he was chasing and pursuing ever since. Heart got broken, still chasing and pursuing. He was begging like Keith Sweat on Monday. Baby, please don't break up with me. I I now understand what I have to do. That's love. And for anyone to suggest otherwise can politely fuck off. That mm-hmm. is the word of the day. But yes, I totally agree with you. And the timeline of what we went through this summer and the last couple of years basically says it all. And on top of that, I hope that this is the beginning of the end of the interloper in uh-huh. our baby's relationship. This should be the inflection point I was also referring to over the summer because this is the end of the line. This should be the end of of the road for Esme in this situation. And when Spencer tells her, go ahead and move out, take the baby and go, I've accepted this. And if she gets mad, oh, well, no time to back out now. You made your bed lying in honey. Let have Laura pay your rent since you want to move so badly. Let her do what she got to do. And if her true colors show about damn time, because I want to be in on it as well as her. Uh-huh. Let the audience know that she has not changed at all she's not da da different she's the same oh as she's always been let us in on that secret so we can move forward and get her away from the situation there was no love triangle coming it never will happen thank god for that that spencer's adamant that i don't want this woman i'm very glad that it's been vocalized that he's not gonna go down that road ever again despite what was teased over the summer because now y'all know better you know if you try it it's gonna be a revolt and you're not gonna like it but what i will say about these scenes on monday is that despite the anger the sexual tension was at an 11 because every time spencer tried to close space trina had to back away because they're like sex magnets drawn to each (laughs) other and they just can't help that push and pull i love that the chemistry was definitely coming on monday i was into it you can feel it because you know when you've been with someone intimately you feel that draw and that tension was in that room and Trina had to step back several times because he was getting a little bit too hot. But as we know today, they're going to come back together and reconnect in more ways than one. But I love that as well. I enjoyed the episode, but the last minute or so was definitely a choice because we missed out on Trina's last words to Spencer before they made out. And then Joss comes in in a perfect world. She would have turned her ass around and walked away but oh no let me sit down and talk about my troubles because who gives a shit (laughs) and with that let's briefly talk about jordan and curtis on tuesday's general hospital i talk about them because jordan comes through to for curtis and he's talking about the power of meditation beautiful But he also wants some intel on who shot him. So it wasn't Charlotte. Okay, let's make that perfectly clear. She did not put the (laughs) slug in Curtis and paralyze him. 
it was someone else. Someone probably targeting Sonny, most likely. And he wants some insight into who did this. He wants some access to some police files. And since Jordan's no longer the commissioner, but the deputy mayor, she might have some access into getting that paperwork done. And they're trying to relive some times they had together, working as partners for the Baltimore Police Department way back when. And they're trying to relive old memories. Hmm. Now, y'all do remember that just a few short months ago, y'all was making out at the Savoy. And you think it's smart for you all to, I don't know, work closely together once again. I can see this a mile away. But here's my thing. I love Jordan. But why must she always be in Curtis's orbit? Why is he the only option? We had a moment for Brother Zeke, and then they completely ruined it by writing him off the show. He took it to a press conference. We never saw Zeke again. Didn't leave Curtis a single flower at the hospital. Didn't check in on his sister, on Trina, nobody. He left town never to be seen or heard from again. And here we are, months later, Jordan circling back to Curtis once again. I am here for the mess. I think there is some potential messes going on with TJ and Portia as well. I'm here for the multiple messes. But what I'm not here for is Curtis being the be-all, end-all for Jordan. Can she please find a better option? Because I still think that she deserves so much better. I truly do. And I saw Tanisha for the Thanksgiving episode of General Hospital barely any speaking lines like she's such a great actress just give her some material y'all is right there do better that's all I ask please because I don't want her to be the other woman is it messy yes but is really Curtis the only option she's got really 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 yeah it's frustrating because when he called her over there to talk and he was talking about how he discovered meditation and he was basically saying that he had a sense memory of him and Jordan working together on a case in Baltimore. And like, then he starts talking to her about like the memories. And then he started talking about how he wanted in on the investigation on who shot him. And when he was talking to Jordan, I, I got a little, I got a little bit annoyed with him when he was talking about like her basically like bending the rules for him so that he can get in on all the stuff. And she's literally like, yeah, I can do that. Like I can help you, you know, I'll, I'll get you access to whatever you need. And <laughs> I just felt like, why are you doing all of this, Jordan? Like, you know, why why are you doing this? Like, you know, I, I just, I don't want him to be the only one that she spends her time with either. Because the Zeke thing was like, that was something that was interesting. And I would have liked to have seen that come to fruition. Like, I would have I loved to have seen the continuance of that. Because it was just, it was a weird choice to have him walk off with her for a press conference and then that's the end of it and now it's back to no let me go back to Curtis and it's like they're you know they're going to be working together so is that going to is that going to be the thing that, that you know does the typical the low the typical soap trope of bringing them to bringing them closer together because they're working on this case together because like you I was thinking the same thing I was like did you forget that you kissed this man and that not you know that not you know not several months back he was talking about taking you to a hotel room or whatever so you guys could get it in and, and also, like, it's just random because, like, how you, do you think Portia's going to be okay with that with you guys working together? Is 
Curtis even going to tell Portia that they're working together on this? Because, I mean, Portia's busy right now in her new role as co-chief of staff, and she's been spending a lot of time, you know, giving advice to TJ. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with the – I don't know what they're doing with Jordan and Curtis, but it feels like they're trying to do something again. Like, that's like that. That's how I, you know, how I felt because, you know, for her to say that she's going to basically hop in the trenches with him and help him solve this case – which, by the way, like I, I feel like they should just—I feel like they should just give Jordan her job back at the PCPD because I feel like she's been doing more work for the PCPD than deputy mayor type stuff. So I don't know, but I—I I really too would like it to be there, like it to be where she has another option other than Curtis, because I don't like this whole like I'm waiting around like, and that's the thing that you know that soaps tend to do—they have like a character like waiting around for someone over and over and over again and it's like when this part when they when when they break up then you can put them together again they break up you put you know like i i i want better for jordan i i feel like she should be past the curtis thing because she had already told him before that she wasn't going to wait for him so i i would like to see her with somebody else me too just find someone for jordan zeke was right there Mm -hmm. and he squandered it and it does feel like the here, Gina, damn, are you happy now? Jordan got some sex and she had it a couple of times. We gave her a couple of love scenes on the show and that's enough for her for the next five years. That's how it felt like to me, honestly. And I mm-hmm. think that's really not cool. And now you're trying to circle back to her and Curtis. And like I said, I'm here for the mess. But at the same time, can it be a better option than that? I'm just saying, but it is what it is. I'm just kind of tired of him circling back to this over and over and over mm-hmm. again as if he is the only man that is worthy of her love. Like, no, no, no. But here we are. All right. So that was a little sidebar conversation about Jordan, how she deserves better in all areas of her life, especially romantically away from Curtis. But that appears that won't be happening anytime soon based on the teases we got via Tuesday's General Hospital as we now get ready to do our very special Spring of Speculations for the week ahead because as we said last week the spoilers are very very pithy there is nothing there regarding Spencer and Trina but thank God for Soap Papa Digest via the internet as we got another exclusive drop courtesy of our girl Tabiana Ali saying that Spencer got fed in more ways than one for Thanksgiving so they're back at her dorm room and it's apparently really late at night and they got it in and based on the preview for General Hospital today they got it in multiple times because his hair was messy and those eyes were hooded and her hair was messy she had a pink robe on got through with round four I presume because her edges were sweated and I can tell because he has done some things in that room laid the pipe on that twin size bed by way of rooms to go college edition and I am here for it now I have professed that Spencer has exuded big dick energy numerous times but this second clip of him looking absolutely intoxicated by love and sex I'm like whoo I need this in full motion on Monday because I know they got it in in that dorm room and I hope that nobody was in the hallway hearing them because I know they were just going off with the <laughs> moaning and the screaming and the orgasms were going crazy <laughs> the flowers were just flowering in that moment I think there might have been cross-pollination 
everybody was fucking the flowers too. I think the bees flew in and said, let me pollinate the fuck out of these flowers. Because these two are fucking, fucking hard. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, you know, to, to quote you and your and Tiffany, your, your references, I said, well, if Spencer doesn't get a slice of sweet potato pie in Portionville, he'll be good because he already had his chocolate pie before. Oops. I said, did I say that out loud? <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I am beyond happy to know that Spencer and Trina are spending the holiday together. And not only that, that they spent part of it in bed together because we've been wanting to see Spencer spend the night in Trina's dorm and it looks like we got our wish. And also, I have to say, here's hoping we eventually get them in a place that doesn't have others staying there, i.e. Granny's house, Portia's place, Trina's dorm, like, you know, stuff, you know, just a location that's a place where it's literally just for Spencer and Trina and nobody else. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly with what Tabiana said in that SOD interview that she did, because there's absolutely no reason why Spencer and Trina should be talking about Esme still especially after they just got done making love. That's not pillow talk. I'm sorry. That is so unsexy. I'm like, they could have talked about anything else but her. And I'm just like, even when she's not in the room, she's still in the room because she constantly has to be brought up. And th that happened in New York twice, once from Spencer and then Trina. And then we even had Laura do it too on Thanksgiving. I mean, because she had to absolutely had to tell Valentine that she had to go pick Esme and Ace up before some parade. Like Stephen A. Smith said, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Because I'm like, we I'm like, we know she exists. That does not mean we need to hear about her all the time. I'm sorry. But um, yeah, so, you know, I know we're going to be getting this, you know, this dorm sex for Spencer and Trina, which is wonderful. But um, I also have to point out because, like I said, like I always say, Keela, we deal with numbers in these streets. Um, Spencer and Trina have not gotten it in in two months, if you're thinking about it, if you're doing the math, because the last time they slept together was, the, you know, because the first time was September 29th. That was their first time sleeping together. And nothing has happened since then because they've been whatever. I don't know, doing whatever. He's been in ace land, whatever. But um, I, like I said, I deal in observations and I deal in numbers and all that stuff. So I did a little bit of research and I have to point out that Trina's bestie, has had 12 moments of getting it in with her man since they started getting it in. And let's say, let's see, two of those were full love scenes and 10 of them were fade to black. Seven were at Dex's apartment, four were at the dorm, and one was the sauna fantasy. One, one was the sauna fantasy. And also, I also have to point out that after the first time they slept together in January, we had two more love scenes right after that, a week apart, basically a week apart. So I did this, I, 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 can't, I did the math. January, there was three. February, there was one. March, there was one. May, there was two. June, there was two. July, there was one. September, there was one. And November, there was one. So like I said, there's been fade to black moments, which is fine because that gives the, you know, that gives the the illusion that lets us know that these love scenes are happening. And they had two full. Spencer and Trina, they've had one full love scene and then they had their fade to black ones the day they spent, you know, their whole day in bed in New York. So I'm just saying our pairing uh, has some catching up to do if you catch my drift. They need to 
uptick the fucking across town on the bed, on the floor, on the wall, on the bench, everywhere, everywhere. It's like green eggs and ham, Sam I am. I need Sprina to really use up every surface they can to make up for this quota that we are missing. Mm-hmm. So hopefully today is the beginning of them blessing the dorm room officially with Spencer all up in that bed, thick ass and all in that little ass bed. But he's going to make it work. Apparently they did <laughs> in many positions, in many ways, many times. And I'm here for it. So I was very happy by way of that preview we got on Thanksgiving Day because I did not expect them in the preview for Monday and how they were looking because good God almighty, I want to see exactly <laughs> how we got there. I need them in bed doing things because the visual I got, was hot not gonna lie and the fact that they're going to go over to fort curtis to have the thanksgiving dinner who boy spencer finally coming home to a black household and eating a proper thanksgiving dinner soul food as we prayed for on this show on multiple occasions we got collard greens we got turnip greens. We got mac and cheese, <laughs> mashed potatoes and gravy. We got buttermilk, cornbread, and gumbo on the pot. How you doing, Connie? Hat Daddy just made it for you and Spencer on this day. We got turkey on lockdown, Cajun seasoning. We got some Zatarans on the pot. Got some Ben's Original too, just in case. <laughs> Fluffy rice to go on top of those black beans and maybe red beans and rice on top of that too. On top of the most important thing we've been praying for and manifesting besides the dressing and the string bean casserole is that slice of Porsche's grandmama's sweet potato pie. (laughs) And hoping that Spencer get a slice of that pie after he had a slice of Trina earlier that day, multiple times. And I have been praying for times like this. I want Spencer at that table breaking bread Mm -hmm. and I want everybody getting along and saying, look at son-in-law coming through. (laughs) I have wanted this for over a year and it has finally arrived. And I hope that Trina tells Spencer, we got to stop by Dollar General or a fan the dollar to get some Tupperware. Because you cannot leave a black person's house without Tupperware to take leftovers home. That is mandatory. You understand me? You got to warm that up. You might need some turkey sandwiches that next day. Grill that thing up. Maybe call Dex because he can grill it up for you. Put some cheese on there. Five types. Five cheeses. Swiss. Extra sharp. Gouda. Mustard. Kobe Jack. Pepper Jack. Boom. A beautiful turkey melt. Eat the shit out of it because, you know, he'll cook it up real good. And, you know, he can do some of some cranberry sauce, too. He can do like a little carnalized puree. He can hook it up, Spencer. Call Dex. He'll do it for you. Chef Borrow Dex right there for you 24-7. <laughs> I love that my nickname made the air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I call him the Cordon Dex. But yeah, I call him no. Blue, but you know. But yeah, no, we we have literally been asking for this moment and we're finally getting it of Spencer hanging out with the Robinson Ashford clan for the holidays. Like, that's going to be something to see because we've seen it already. Like, you know, we saw it briefly for Curtis's birthday, but he had, but he couldn't stay very long. So it's going to be interesting to see him sitting his thickness all in that table. That- <laughs> 
And the question is, who is he going to sit across from? Who's going to be sitting? Who's going to be looking at him across the table? Is Trina going to sit across from him? Is she going to sit next to him? Like, who's going to be sitting across from him, giving him the look? <laughs> that is a good question. Will it be on Stella side-eyeing him? Like, I know when somebody's been defiled. <laughs> And I have seen that Spencer has laid that pipe in Trina on multiple occasions. Look at it, Portia. Look at that glow. Look at her. Look like she got some of the best dick she's ever had in her life. I wish that I had that for myself. I did have that, but I let the man go in England. I'm dumb. But look at Trina. Look at her. She getting her back broke at least five times a day in the same session. Look at God. Look at there. You see your daughter blushing. You see her kicking her feet underneath the table, trying to, you know, play footsies on the table with her man. I see what's going on. Yeah, Aunt Stella going to have the inside track and hat daddy too. Portia going to be sipping all of her mist, trying not to break. Mm-hmm. I want to see Trina feed Spencer a piece of pie from that from her fork. That would be the cutest thing to me. To see, like, I want to see, like, some cute, playful moments of them and Portia's there sipping her arbor mist looking. Hey, she might be smiling because she, you know, seeing her daughter happy might actually make her happy since she seems to be having a turnaround and, you know, we haven't seen her and her daughter share scenes for quite some time. They haven't shared any scenes since she got back from New York. So it'd be, it'd actually be nice to see that, you know, Portia is somewhat happy to see her daughter is happy, you know, and if only there were, and if only Trina's room wasn't so in the public domain, she and Spencer could sneak off upstairs for a couple seconds to have a little makeout session but you know the that house the the floor plan is way way too open <laughs> Mm-mm, they can't sneak around and do shit nope maybe in the Curtis kitchen roll up maybe Curtis in the kitchen. roll up literally on there maybe in the kitchen maybe in the kitchen the kitchen maybe outside <laughs> yes outside by the you know by the beachfront you know <laughs> hear the water crashing into the shore as Curtis rolls up on them as he will do I have no doubt so I want that and and for Portia you know on a special day like Thanksgiving I don't want you to be sipping on Arbor Mist no I want Trina to bring you some yellowtail maybe some barefoot I want you to drink the good stuff no no no, no 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 let's let's have Spencer bring a nice expensive bottle over okay he okay. got the money he got the money now granted you know he's trying to you know ease his way into spending his money after trying to give away his money. But yeah, let's start with Portia and what she tried to do to you. Let's start small. Yellowtail. The question is, will Spencer Cassadine bring something with him to the house? Is he going to tell Trina, we need to stop and we need to get something? Like, no, I can't go. We can't go over there. empty. <laughs> Watch him bring a porn setter. <laughs> a housewarming item. It's Christmas time. I stopped by the local Ace Hardware and got you a poinsettia. Where is he going to stop by one of these restaurants and bring a dessert? <laughs> Can you imagine him bringing home a, a piece of chocolate pie after he had a piece of Trina's chocolate pie? <laughs> he went by the PC Grill and said, Uncle Sock, can you give me a piece of uh, pie? <laughs> I just get it to him from the kitchen. Trina don't want to see you, but can you just you know, can you can you put that in? Yeah, thank. Can you give me the family discount? Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, there's got to be like a backdoor transaction in the kitchen. 
but I can totally see that. He got to bring something. He got to bring something mm-hmm. to a black person's house. Mm-hmm. It's mandatory. Got to take your shoes off too, Spencer. You yep. can't be coming in there with shoes on like that. Shoes off. He knows shoes the rules. Off. He knows the rules. Get your shoes off. You know, be respectful to your elders. You know, you might want to tip everybody $20. Early, early Christmas gift. <laughs> and you know, it's Christmas time, so you know you're going to be hearing some black Christmas carols. <laughs> if you hear Donnie Hathaway in the background, you know it's really that season. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Mm, 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 mm. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm so ready for this. It's going to be so entertaining. I am going to love this. I hope that our expectations are met because we have been talking about this for such a very long time and we're like spitballing here and half this stuff is not going to happen, but I want some of it to happen. I want to be entertained. And I think this is the opportunity for Spencer to really ingratiate himself a part of this family and, you know, for people to get to know him and respect him at the most and learn to love him as well, because he's really good for Trina. He's learning you know, some hard lessons as to what it means to lose a good woman if you fuck around and find out. But I do think that this is the first step towards them really getting together as a couple with sustainability and longevity. And that's a big step for Trina to bring her man home for Thanksgiving. And this time last year, she was trying to sneak out the house because she wanted to see her man for Thanksgiving <laughs> and ain't talking about brownie bitch. She was trying to go to Pittenville and sneak her man a plate, but that was impossible. But now he's upgraded from bologna sandwiches to a full course soul food mm-hmm. meal. Now, the only thing I don't want to see is some chitlins. No, oh, no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Ugh. Pass. Hard pass. I take glazed ham, but no chitlins, okay? But yes, that is what we're looking forward to today. I cannot wait. I am looking forward to the sex, and I'm looking forward to the Thanksgiving dinner because we pray for times like this, as we do have some official previews for today, despite our bullshitting here, (laughs) as we have Thanksgiving continues in Port Charles. Stella and Portia make a realization, probably that Trina got fucked time and time again. No, my God, that makes perfect sense now because when I originally saw that spoiler, I was like, make a realization of what? Like, that's what I was wondering. Like, I actually have, I actually found myself saying, what could be the realization? Is like, yeah, it's probably that could very well be it. Like, they're gonna, they're gonna realize it's Spencer and Trina got a lot closer. Trina got that dick. That's what she got. I know that's right. But I'm very proud of Trina too because she said, listen, despite how good your dick is, you're still gonna put me first. Okay, because if you don't, I can find other dick. Now, it might not be good as yours, but damn it, I can find something that's going to appreciate me a bit more if you tried that shit with me. And he said, no, because your pie was the best pie I ever had in my life. <laughs> Little Debbie could never. He remembers, he, he remembers that ride in New York. He's not ready to give that up. Child. Cheers to rode you, Trina. Like a Bronco. <laughs> Cheers to you, girl. You rode him in every position. He said, I can't go back. I can't turn this down. I got to get my life together immediately. As he completed his five stages of grief, he went through depression and acceptance in the same episode. Sure did. I know that's right. <laughs> that's how you really find out the love of a good woman. 
also on Monday's General Hospital, besides the loving and the Thanksgiving festivities at Casa de la Curtis, Marshall is worried about Curtis. Again. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) Why? I thought meditation was working. Why? Maybe he's got maybe he's worried about him getting too involved in the investigation. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's gonna be like you like you need to be careful what about what you're doing, getting into this, or you know, one of those types of warnings. Mm-hmm. As we get to Tuesday's general hospital, Molly and TJ have a disagreement. It's definitely gonna do with the surrogacy situation. Mm-hmm. That's what it's gonna be. A sense of that as well as we get to Thursday's General Hospital. Portia gives TJ some advice. So my potential crack ship impossibly. Because they won't come down in each other's orbit quite a bit. Yes. And like I said, the messiest scenario is if Curtis gets up before Christmas and he walks up them stairs trying to give Portia that dick and he find out that TJ did it first, Mm-mm. that is great soap. Let me tell you. <laughs> Manifesting that now. I need some mess in my life. I don't want Jordan and Curtis. I want Mm-mm. TJ and Portia. I want PJ. Oh, yes. boy. I like the sound of that. PJ. As... <laughs> Whoever came up with that ship name, I like it. PJ. <laughs> As hey, I can't help myself. And that wraps up the festivities going on around Black Hospital this week. Now, Spencer and Trina are only seen in the previews on Monday and an SOD. Does not mean they will not be on throughout the week. Just got to stay ready so you ain't got to get ready because you know that's how we do. But I expect a very special spring of sex giving for one and all as we get ready for a very special holiday season. I hope that, because I, I know that we're going to see them you know, on Monday, today rather, and if we see them again at all this week, I hope upon hope that it is us getting to watch old girl walk up out of that house, up out of Granny Laura Laura's house with her boxes packed and Spencer being like, all right, she's going, bye. Because that would, nothing would give me more joy than watching her with boxes walking out of that house with the movers in tow, goodbye. Listen, can I call two men in a truck for you? (laughs) (laughs) I can pay for the early birth special to get you the fuck out of my grandmother's apartment. (laughs) I have seen the light. I have realized that sex with my girlfriend surpasses me being a father of a baby that's not mine. So you can just get your shit and go. Do you understand me? I have seen the glory of Trina all over and under. And inside and out. Preferably inside. But hey, <laughs> pack your shit and go. Hey, little bro, I will see you on Saturday and Sundays. I will uh, bring your chew toy so you can play with it. But otherwise, get the fuck out. I have seen the glory. I have seen the light. I am back where I was in January. Google, bitch, how to be a brother. And I have found out how to be a brother and not a father. How about it? I have learned that pet milk was the way. 
and I just lost the way until now. Oh my God. I just thought about that. You, you, you took me all the way back to that question that he asked Cameron all those, all those months back about how to be a good big brother. And then he just completely ran in with the opposite direction and decided to play daddy. Oh, like you didn't listen to a darn thing Cameron told you. <laughs> that man veered in so many directions in the opposite way, but now he's veering back. Mm-hmm. He's veering back to where he needs to be brother only. Yep. And doing the bare minimum. Good. Good. We'll probably we pray see for times like this too. We'll we'll probably see him one more time being a nag. Cause uh, there's uh, like watch, there's no way that we're not gonna see Spencer probably helping Esme move into that apartment because he's gonna want because he's gonna want to see what it looks like to make sure it's a safe place for Ace and you know he'll do his one last little nagging thing and be like, do you have safety locks? Do you have safety? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> he would do an inspection mm-hmm. sweep. He sure would. Fuck. Yeah, because this is how detachment goes. It's like another five <laughs> stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. He is so going to do that. Do you got the ring, Esme? The ring alarm? So right? when you open doors, you know who the fuck is at the door? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get knocked out? <laughs> and the baby's going to go missing again? Because this time, nobody's going to be here to save your ass. So if it happens, it happens. I would rather it be, I, I would rather it just be an off screen move. She moves and we don't have to see it. We just hear Laura come back and, you know, come back home and tell Spencer that she, that Esme settled in okay. And then we're just like, all right, move on from that. We don't care. Yes. If I see that boy with a clipboard checking shit, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Checking for cracks, mold. <laughs> uh, this is unsafe, Esme. Is this baby proof? <laughs> Oh, God. I'm not ready. Let's skip all of that, actually. <laughs> May that all happen off the air. Yes, please. Off screen. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he would have a clipboard, Jasmine. Trust and believe. And he'll report all of it back to the landlord. Google says. <laughs> Google says all of this is unsafe for a baby. And I need you to fix this. Does a smoke detector right work? Does a carbon monoxide <laughs> <laughs> If it's not Honeywell or Bust, I don't know what it is. Like you need to if put you some, ain't got Honeywell for any of this. <laughs> like you need to come put on. some bumpers. On, you need to put some bumpers on these corners of these counters, and maybe because if Ace is running right, he hits his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that would oh. literally be his last stand as the overbearing big brother, <laughs> telling her stuff while she's in the apartment. That would literally be the last thing. But I don't want to see Spencer's ass anywhere in Esme's apartment, okay? I just want to be clear on that. I don't want it. I don't want to see him in her apartment at all. Absolutely not. I don't want him to even know the address. (laughs) I don't want him to Google map shit. I don't want you to know where she lives because then you'll know when to go over there and we can't have that either. I want you to know nothing about where she lives. (laughs) She lives on 123 Sesame Street. That's where she lives. (laughs) How do you get there? I don't know. <laughs> and Laura. <laughs> oh my God. I don't want Laura to say nothing. <laughs> Laura, keep your mouth shut. Don't don't say nothing. Don't even put the address on the refrigerator. How dare you? Don't even put that bitch as an emergency contact. We don't need to know her number or where she lives. <laughs> keep that to yourself. 
Because, you know, Spencer's ass be over there dead at night. You need something? No. Lord Jesus. I really, really went there. One, two, three, Sesame Street. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I started laughing when I realized when I realized what you said. Because I was like, well, can you tell me? <laughs> you that one get through. <laughs> even I even I had a moment just now because if you can't get there I don't know what to say but in this case I really hope Spencer does not know how to get to Sesame Street mm-hmm. no Big Bird don't know shit Oscar mm-hmm. like I don't know that bitch but hey that's besides the point as we like, now I she, like I know she's trash but she ain't my neighbor <laughs> Oscar says, <laughs> I prefer recycling because <laughs> I don't do that kind of trash at all. <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, I have tears in my eyes. <laughs> Me too. I was not expecting that. Oscar basically told her, like, bitch, I am trash, but you are trashier. And I don't have time for any of that. I believe in recycling and saving our planet. I'm an environmentalist. Get the fuck away from me. Oh. Only on this show. Only on this show will we Can do we something like this. take these things and turn them into adult material? We have sullied the brand of Sesame Workshop. And I apologize on behalf of HBO and PBS that airs the show in a six-month delay. I apologize on behalf of all the Muppets. Elmo, I didn't mean it. My apologies, Grover and y'all, Miss Piggy, Kermie, all of you. I deeply, sincerely apologize to Snuffy. That's my main mammoth. That's my dog. I did not mean to say any of this stuff on this show. Actually, I did. Fuck that bitch. I hate her. I hate her with every fiber of my being as a person that really cannot stand this character mm-hmm. and if oscar says the bitch is trashy she's trashy <laughs> she is beyond reproach and nothing you can do can f- change or fix that i stand by it <laughs> we have probably made mattel Sesame <coughs> workshop very angry the last couple of weeks but oh i God. don't care <laughs> if we get a sponsorship deal fantastic Branding is everything. GH, get on it. Okay, I have recovered now. Me too. Let's breathe. Let's breathe on that. That is one of my favorite lines that Jasmine just threw randomly as a bar. <laughs> I have recovered. I have laughed it out as we get ready now for our Sprina Song Picks of the Week, which is going to be their own comedy segment. So 
Jasmine, since we are over our begging tour for Spencer Cassidine, your song picks of the week, please. All right. Well, I think my songs are probably still in the vein of the begging because of, you know, because of what happened with uh, the episode with them in the dorm having the conversation. <clears throat> so the first song I picked is Heartstrings, which is Feli and Carlos Santana. And key lyrics are, I felt running from myself a couple times. I need someone who sticks around. I sit and wonder why <clears throat> I lie awake at night. Heavy is the head that holds the crown. Got caught cheating. You still love me. You know, he's been hasn't cheated, but you know, um, don't give no reason to trust me. Wonder why you even, why you love me at all. But I get this feeling you have mercy. Yeah, the power's healing and I'm worthy. But when I'm going to seal it, don't be taking too long. A love, we only got so far to go. I didn't stay down so long and I'm going to stay down till your heart turns strong. <clears throat> Cupid's got hold of my heartstrings, my heartstrings. And every time you go, girl, my heart breaks, girl, my heart breaks. And even though I try to move on, the gravity is much too strong. <clears throat> Cupid's got a hold of my heartstrings, my heartstrings. Okay. And the second song I chose is Infinity by James Young. Key lyrics are, baby, this love, I'll never let it die. Can't be touched by no one. I'd like to see him try. I'm a madman for your touch. Girl, I've lost control. I'm going to make this last forever. Don't tell me it's impossible because I love you for infinity. I love you for infinity. Oh, darling, my soul, you know it aches for yours and you've been filling this hole since you were born because you're the reason I believe in fate. You're my paradise and I'll do anything to be your love or be your sacrifice. And then my next song is One Mississippi by Zara Larson. Key lyrics are, why do I stay? I know I should leave. Mascara falling down my cheek, but you pull me in and make me forget about the broken glass on our skin. <clears throat> we don't get scared when the sirens come. A little fucked up because we think it's fun. We kiss just to make up. We love just to break up. We head for disaster, but live for the danger. We count. One Mississippi, you're here, loving me with your whole heart. And two Mississippi, we scream to watch each other fall apart. Three Mississippi, you're gone, saying that you're done. You don't want it no more. And four Mississippi, you're home like nothing ever happened at all. And then the next song is Begin, which is Shallow, and it's spelled S-H-L-L-O-U, and it's featuring whales, W-A-L-E-S. And the key lyrics are, change your mind, because I wasn't thinking right. We can begin at the top. Am I waking you up? This is your life. Does everything look all right? We can begin at the top. Am I waking you up? And last song I picked is Don't Leave Me by Blackstreet. And key lyrics are, I'm searching for the words to make you realize that I really, really want you to stay. Tears of frustration I hold inside, but if you walk away, you'll make this grown man cry. Don't leave. Don't leave me, girl. Please stay with me tonight. Don't leave me, girl. Please stay with me tonight. Forget my pride, girl. I'm begging you. You're my heart. You're my soul. You've got so much control. My love runs deeper than the ocean and sea, but if you sail away, you'll take the centerpiece of me. Those are my picks. Very fine song picks this week, Jasmine. I really appreciate you. I think I'm going five for five as well. And I'm going to pick the gamut because this is the begging week for Spencer. For the last couple of weeks, I was picking songs very Trina-centric for Spencer's dumbass. Mm -hmm. But now it's time for him to beg and get it together. So I got the classic hits, the R&B songs, best speak to me. But first and foremost, I want to go into my Alicia Keys bag. Songs in A minor from mm -hmm. 2001. I got to go there because Trina reminded Spencer 
of a woman's worth. Sure did. Key lyrics include, you could buy me diamonds. You could buy me pearls. Take me on a cruise around the world. Baby, you know I'm worth it. Dinner lit by candles. Run my bubble bath. Make love tenderly to last to last. Because baby, you know I'm worth it. Want to please, want to keep, want to treat your woman right. Not just dope, but to show that you know she is worth your time. You will lose if you choose to refuse to put her first. She will, if she can, find a man who knows her worth. Because a real man knows a real woman when he sees her. And a real woman knows a real man ain't afraid to please her. And a real woman knows a real man always comes first. And a real man just can't deny a woman's worth. If you treat me fairly, I'll give you all my goods. And Trina gave him the goods today. (laughs) Yes, she did. Treat you like a real woman should. Baby, I know you're worth it. If you never play me, promise not to bluff. He tried to bluff her, y'all. He tried to and failed. I hold you down when shit gets rough because, baby, I know you're worth it. She walks the mile, makes you smile all the while being true. Don't take for granted the passions that she has for you. You will lose if you choose to refuse to put her first. She will if she can find a man who knows her worth. No need to read between the lines spelled out for you. Just hear this song because you can't go wrong when you value a woman's a woman's worth. Yes, ma'am. Next song is a classic that I got from one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. Money Talks because Chris Tucker tried to sell Heather Locklear's character in this movie that you are my first you are my last, you are my everything. In actuality, he was quoting a Barry White song. (laughs) And I love this Barry White song very much. And it's very fitting. Key lyrics include, we got it together, didn't we? Nobody but you and me. We got it together, baby. My first, my last, my everything. And the answer to all my dreams. You're my son, my moon, my guiding star, my kind of wonderful, that's what you are. I know there's only one, only one like you. There's no way they could have made two. You're all I'm living for. Your love I'll keep forevermore. You're the first, you're the last, my everything. In you, I've found so many things, a love so new only you could bring. Can't you see it? You'll make me feel this way. You're like a first morning dew on a brand new day. I see so many ways that I can love you to the day I die. You're my reality, yet I'm lost in a dream. You're the first, the last, my everything. You know there's only, only one like you. There's no way they could have made two. Girl, you're my reality, but I'm lost in a dream. You're the first, the last, you're the last, my everything. Where are all my tissues? (laughs) My next song is a song... That is for Elle in particular because she loves her some Jodeci. And I felt like this song was very fitting today. Yes, this is the all time begging anthem. And I played this song and I started to laugh at the end because it was Spencer begging and pleading for his life. And I am living for it. Cry for you. If I make it through the end, God help me. The key lyrics include, without you, baby, I feel worthless. I'm living on the edge. 
It's been an hour since you've been gone, and that's too long, so come back home. I can't live without you, so I'll cry for you. Do anything that I can to feel that touch from your hand. Sorry that I want you. Lady, what do I do? You know you're everything I do. Oh, yeah, do what you want me to. I would do anything. Get on my knees for you. Ooh, baby, what else is there to do? I don't know. I don't know, but I'll cry. Lady, I will cry for you tonight, tonight. Lady, I will cry for you tonight, tonight. Well, I help me out. Help me out. You spoil me like girl, like a child. When you're not here, I can't even smile. I can't think without you. My mind is always with you. It's amazing what you do to keep me falling in love with you. Girl, you all that I know, where else can I go? I say you're everything I do, ooh, baby. Do what you want me to. Anything you need from me, baby, get on my knees for you. Oh, oh, what else is there to do? I don't know, I don't know, but I'll cry for you tonight. I'm right here, yes, I will cry for you, lady. Sometimes my pillow gets so wet with tears. I don't have no one to call my own. I want you back, baby. Baby, I will cry for you tonight. Baby, I'm begging, baby, I'm begging, baby, I'm begging, Lord have mercy. I'm begging, baby, I don't give a damn anymore. I'm begging, baby, come back to me, baby. I'm begging, begging, baby, 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 begging, begging, baby. I'm begging, I'm begging, baby. And he's begging, y'all. They begging. It's egregious begging. And that was so Spencer. God bless him. Oh, I was afraid I wasn't going to make it through it, but I made it through. My next to last song is another all-time begging classic from 2002. Drew World Order from Drew Hill. I love you. Here we go. I wish I never told you you should leave. I wish me and you never had my seed. No, I better stop. That's a lie. Because, girl, you were the apple of my eye. It took a little time for me to see that, girl, I need you right here next to me. I could let you walk away, but I'm not going out that way, no. Not that way. Not going out that way. Girl, I can't live without you. No, no, no. Can't be without you. No, no, no. I'm begging you to stay. I wish you would just believe me. Stay. Why can't you just listen to me? I love you. And even though I said that you could leave me, I want another chance just to adore you. I still believe in you and me. I'm in love. I love you. Won't you take the time, take the time to see, leave me because I don't want to have to live my life in misery. I wasn't ready for you to set me free. Don't give our love away. Words can't describe how I feel about you. Only heaven knows how much I do. Girl, I put my own life on the line. I'll cherish and protect you with my life. All that shit I said, girl, I didn't mean. I die without your love, baby, if you leave. I could let you walk away, but baby, I'm not going out that way. Not that way. Not going out that way because I can't live without you. Can't be without you. I'm begging you to stay. All my life, I sacrificed for you until the rising sun christens a new baby dawn. I won't live without you, won't be without you. I'm begging you to stay because you just can't understand that I don't want to be with you. Please stay. And they beg, and they beg, and they beg, and they beg, as Spencer should. We <laughs> made each other. I just need some time to get myself together. I taught you how to love, and you taught me how to love. And from that, we created love. You stay with me while I was doing wrong. So why would you leave me when I start doing right? 
beauty's gone. I love you. <laughs> I love you. God damn it, this is a lot of begging. <laughs> it really is. Ooh, child. But let's end it on a high note. Because after you do all of this begging, you got it bad, right? Usher, what a closer to bring us all together. When you feel it in your body, you found somebody who makes you change your ways, like hanging with your crew. Said you act like you're ready, but you don't really know. And everything in your past, you want to let it go. I've been there, done it, fucked around. After all that, this is what I found. Nobody wants to be alone. If you're touched by the words in this song, then maybe you got it, you got it bad. When you're on the phone, hang up and you call right back. You got it, you got it bad. If you miss a day without your friend, your whole life's off track. You know you got it bad when you're stuck in the house. Yeah, Spencer was stuck in the house all summer, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have fun, but it's all you think about. You got it bad when you're out with someone and you keep on thinking about somebody else, you got it bad. When you say that you love them and you really know, everything that used to matter don't matter no more. Like my money on my cars, you can have it back. Flower cars and candy, I do it just because I'm said I'm fortunate to have you, girl. I want you to know I really adore you. All my people who know what's going on, look at your mate and help me sing my song. Tell her I'm your man. You're my girl. I'm going to tell it to the whole wide world. Ladies, say, I'm your girl. You're my man. Promise to love you the best I can. Said, I've been there, done it, fucked around. After all that, this is what I found. Every one of y'all are just like me. It's too bad that you can't see that you got it bad. And yes, Spencer has it bad. And this mm-hmm. concludes the begging sessions, the Spencer Cassidy edition. <laughs> Good God, the begging. But hey, here we are. And with that, this wraps up an extra special edition of the Spring of Sessions right here on WST as we get ready for the pre-game sex-giving celebration going down later today on GH. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, I want to thank Jasmine for being along for another unforgettable show that took several detours (laughs) along the way to Sesame Street and back. Those are the best ones, though, for for real, because... We never know what we're going to say when we get on this air. <laughs> we, get on the air we, we don't know what's going to come out of our mouths. Like, as soon as you hit record, I don't know what I'm going to say anyway to you. <laughs> I want to let people know there is a firm one down of what we talk about. But anything that flies out of our mouths is completely <laughs> at random. Exactly. We plan none of this. <laughs> it is just completely outside the box crazy shit that we say and we love it that makes this show very special 50 episodes in holy shit you've listened that long we thank you for your love and support one year anniversary is coming up very soon in about a week or so crazy to say but here we are nonetheless and bringing you hits like this as you get ready for another spring of sex day and if it's not a full-blown scene we'll take whatever we're getting Uh because they look very hot and heavy and i'm here for the afterglow and what happened beforehand because apparently they got it in several times i'm getting my dorm sex wish and that's that's fine enough for me (laughs) i'm totally fine with it because i've been saying that i wanted to see spencer in that you know moderately sized bed (laughs) i won't say big bed because it's not a big bed at all but hey they'll make it work 
They're going to make it work. He's going to break a couple of springs, but he's going to make it work. And like I said, he paid the RA a couple hundred to keep quiet so he could spend the night. <laughs> so sh- you don't see nothing. You don't even know I'm here. You don't even know my thick ass is here. I'll be oh, quiet, just, mostly. Just like, just like when he hid behind Brother Rock. Now that will go down as an all-time moment on this show because his tall, thick ass and that little ass rock, the proportions were not proportionizing at all. That's why I said there's no way that he could have spent the night outside of Trina's door and nobody noticed that thick tallness sticking out <laughs> over the floor. You know his legs were out straight while he was sitting on the floor. Some people walked over him. Just looking at his thick ass, like, what the hell going on here? Who is this? He, you know what? His None ass of my leaning all on the door, little drool on the chin, like, what the fuck? Like, you know what? None of my business. That's Trina and Jocelyn's business. I'm staying out. Just all I know is he fucked tonight. up. <laughs> <laughs> all I know is he fucked up, and I can see why. Mm. Mm-hmm. Had to get it together. Uh-huh. But we know they got it together later today. We cannot wait to come back next week to talk about it right here on the session. So may it be a very happy and blessed spring of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving celebration. So for myself and for Jasmine, enjoy the week ahead, especially today. And we'll be back next week talking all about it right here on the session. So on behalf of the great Trina Carisha, Buffy Robinson, goodbye room. Thank you. Goodbye, room. Thank you. Spencer's out of the doghouse, y'all. <laughs> and he's about to get the blackest Thanksgiving of his life. Praise God. Where is Shirley Caesar? Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>